and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We are going to talk a little bit about corn diseases today. If you'd like to call in to the show and talk about that or anything that's going on in your farm, our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we are coming to you today live from the Morton studio, and we have... A very exciting week. We're going to have a soybean agronomy workshop. We're going to do live and even in person. Uh, unfortunately, the in person is all booked up. We are limiting our attendance because of COVID, but you certainly can participate with us online if you would like to. It's from 9 a.m. all the way through 3 p.m. on Wednesday, this Wednesday, February 3rd. If you'd like to join us, just go to agphd.com to learn more. You can watch for free if you are an Ag PhD Insider magazine subscriber. To subscribe to the magazine, just go to agphdinsider.com. We will talk a lot about soybean production, everything from drainage to fertility, weed control to disease control. We're going to talk about planting, about populations, about harvest, you name it. We are covering soybean production from top to bottom. We're also going to go through the programs that for five years we had some of the top soybean producers in the world raising soybeans on our farm in plots, and they all did a bunch of different things to try to get higher yield, and we're going to go through that as well during the during our day on Wednesday. So don't miss that one. It is our soybean agronomy workshop. All right, talking about corn diseases, just to get into that for a minute before we get to the Ag PhD mailbag, the top ones that we face here are probably or potentially different than the ones you face on your farm. But the ones we're most commonly going to see, well, probably the, the one we see most commonly is anthracnose. We see Goss's wilt a fair amount too. The problem with Goss's wilt and also bacterial leaf streak is they're bacterial diseases, diseases and we don't have good bactericides. But we do have good fungicides that can help you with anthracnose, gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, tar spot, rust, eye spot, physoderma brown spot. I mean, there are a bunch of different ones. We're going to talk about some of those today. I'll say this, though. Yes, you might think, oh, we're only going to talk about fungicides in the show. We are definitely going to discuss that. But I would say this. If you have a healthier crop, you have a crop that is more tolerant to everything. It's just like you or me. I say it all the time. For us as human beings, it it relates exactly to crop production. If you as a human being are very healthy in general, you're more tolerant to diseases. That's just the way it is. So with our crop, what we're thinking about there is having good drainage, having the right fertility, not just N, P, and K, but I'm talking micronutrients, sulfur, get the pH right, get your nutrients in balance, get the right ratios, all that kind of stuff. You do those things, you're going to be in a lot better shape. You reduce compaction. You, you continue working on building soil organic matter. Just anything possible to help make that crop excellent. And of course, great weed, insect, and disease control. And you're well on the way to reducing the disease pressure on your farm overall. And I don't care what crop it is. Yes, we're going to talk specifically about corn today. But a lot of the fungicides we talk about in corn, a lot of the agronomic practices we talk about in corn, they apply to 
many other crops as well. So I think you'll enjoy our show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right. First one comes from Josh in eastern South Dakota. And he said, uh, I rent everything that I'm farming. My custom strip till guy didn't get to me in time this fall. So I'm hoping to still get it done this spring if it's still dry. I've got a couple landlords thinking about doing some tiling for the first time. I'm wondering, without strip till, does tiling still make, or I'm sorry, without tile, does strip till make sense? I may have to spend some of my own money to jumpstart the tiling project. So just wondering if this is a better use of my dollar before paying the custom strip tilling on untiled ground. Almost always, we are going to tell you tile comes before fertility. You've got to have great drainage. Now, as I say that, Going into 2021, he said Eastern South Dakota, right? Okay, the last six months, well, seven months now, have been the driest in the history of the state of South Dakota on the eastern side of the state. So that means that we're kind of set up for drier conditions this year. So as a one-year statement, I would tell you, yeah, maybe I'd spend the money this year on strip till and get to the tiling this coming fall. But as a general rule, we want to get the tiling done first. Now, here's the other thing. I'm just going to throw this out there. Last fall, we had the driest fall ever. We had one of the longest falls ever. So if your custom strip-till guy still didn't get the work done, in a normal year, he's got zero chance. So I'd be looking for somebody else to do that work, get your own machine, or go with some kind of different plan in the future because, yeah, if it didn't happen last fall, it's probably never going to happen. All right, thanks for the question. Got a comment here from TF. He said you were talking about nitrogen needs on corn. My feeling is the manure fields always outperform others when I have a heavy stress situation. Irrigation isn't certainly the complete answer either. I had some neighbors run so much irrigation that they leached away their nitrogen on a drought year. They ended up spending so much money to make the crop look okay and, and yield okay that they actually were a crop failure on paper. So I, you know what, TF, we, we do like manure. I think it's a great source of nutrients and just kind of commenting towards I'd rather have manure than some additional money on some of the other things. Well, I don't know what the other things you mean well, there he, are. Well, he said uh, in, in last year it was drought and yeah. hot, and yeah. guys kept running irrigation so much they leached away N, and so they had to buy okay. a whole bunch more N. He came out dollars ahead with just putting the fertility out in the form of manure. Well, yeah, it's, it's more stable, and it's going to release over a longer period of time, so I get that. But I would say this. We have not found that manure fields are dramatically better in stress situations if— you're doing the other things that come in manure. So for example, we use biologicals that you might find in to some degree in manure. We're using all the different micronutrients. We're using a lot of sulfur. We're working on balancing nutrients. So yeah, if if you have just been focused, if a person has just been focused on NP and K, manure is a much, much better option. Well, stay tuned. We are going to talk corn diseases right after this. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. 
You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. And you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open today. If you have an agronomic question, you can call us at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to talk about corn diseases on the show today. we got our friend Josh Miller with BASF with us. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? You know, we aren't doing too bad when it's really cold out. We like to think about mid-season issues in our cornfields just to get us thinking a little sunnier here. So we're, we're thinking about diseases in corn and what we can do. Well, hey, there's a lot of farmers out there that are putting together their plans right now, and more and more guys are seeing some benefit of using fungicides. Can you talk to us a little bit about that early season application first, and then we'll talk about a little later in the season? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because we're actually talking about what I would consider a new application when we talk about early, you know, often we've talked about early being a herbicide application where you just put something in the tank cause you're going across the field. But one of the things that we found with Altima because of this is our new corn fungicide product because of the residual activity we've gotten out of this product, we've gone earlier and earlier to try to figure out how long that residual lasts. And this season we're really going out there and talking about five foot tall corn at five feet tall. Your corn's about that V 10 to V 12 timing. And we see a huge benefit to getting out that early with Veltima, especially for those farmers that haven't used fungicides in the past uh, for any number of reasons. They couldn't get across the field. They have odd-shaped fields, uh, limited access to airplanes. We have a new opportunity for them to get out there with their own ground rigs and treat their corn and get the fungicide benefits that we see, um, even with those later timings. Josh, I think that the five foot thing is a good idea because too often we talk about V8, V12, V. I mean, what what is that exactly? For a lot of people, they're not going to look enough. Whereas five feet, super simple. I mean, anybody can drive past the field and go, oh yeah, we're getting close to five foot tall corn. It's time to go. So, agronomically, why is that a better time than waiting to tassel to spray? Well, you may just be disappointed when I, when I say this. I wouldn't say agronomically it's a better time to spray. And I think it depends on everybody's condition. But if somebody's using fungicides at that VT timing, that tassel timing, 
we would probably say that you can keep doing that. You know, if that's, if that works for you, you have access, then that's good. What we're, what we're seeing is that a lot of farmers don't have that access or haven't had that access before. Um, And so while we may not get the, the same yield results, actually in our, in our trials, we saw a two bushel decline by going earlier, right? Now that is, may not seem like much, but that's why we would say VT is still your ideal timing. But when you think about a herbicide timing, when it's more inconsistent and you're just trying to get, you know, a couple extra bushels, we're getting true fungicide benefits in that earlier timing, specifically when you have early diseases that come in. I think about the Northern geographies with tar spot, when it can come in early, get ahead of that, stop those diseases before they start actually impacting your crop. And you can do it with your own ground rig. I think that makes a lot of sense for a lot of farmers this year. Yeah, being able to do it with your own ground rig is a really big deal. I I guess the thing that we've talked to people about, though, is when you're going to spray at that time, when the corn's five feet tall, we probably better leave out the adjuvants, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so this is a conversation we're we're having right now, um, you know, with our retailer partners, our distribution partners, and and one of the things that we're seeing at that early timing is you're using a ground rig, you're going out maybe 15 gallons per acre, um, the corn smaller stature. What is the right thing to put in with the fungicide at that yep. time? Yep. And honestly, the way we've been thinking about this is great time for nutritionals, right? Yep. It's a great time to kind of prime that plant going into reproductive stages, protect it, keep the diseases out, and feed it give it that nutritional boost that it needs to get through reproductive stages. I feel like that almost makes more sense. You know, it's a match made in heaven, if you will, to get out there and really promote the the corn crop you got. All right. Any, any other points you got for us today? Anything else you wanted to talk about today, Josh? Yeah, I think that, um, like we said, this, this new application timing, it's something you're going to hear a lot about. Certainly work with your local um, advisors, figure out if that's the right timing for you to get out there. VT is certainly, uh, you know, something we're all accustomed to. I'd say for those progressive farmers out there, that's I've almost had more conversations about sequentials this year than I ever had before. And <laughs> what we've talked about is, yeah, you can get out there early. You can go out uh, with that, that five-foot tall application with a Veltima. And what that gives you is more flexibility to, to hold that headline amp until maybe R2, R3, you know, waiting to the last minute there to – help push the crop the rest of the way to finish it off, make sure that you have extended grain fill and really top out those maximum yields. We've got a lot of opportunities this year to really take advantage of the good commodity prices by making sure that our our crop is everything that we want it to be. Yep, absolutely agree. Again, we've been talking with Josh Miller. He is with BASF. Josh, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you both. I've got TJ Benz with us right now with Syngenta to talk a little about corn diseases. TJ, what are you thinking down in Kansas? Is it going to be so dry that disease just isn't a big issue this year? Boy, I wish I could say that, but it seems like it comes in no matter what we do. But yeah, we are dry. I'll I'll admit that one. Well, you know, I was thinking about last year how we had southern rust, and I know it made even up to our farm in South Dakota on a hot, dry year. It's not just the wet years that are going to see disease. So what are you normally advising growers? I know you get a lot of questions about corn, both for silage and for grain corn. What do you see in terms of, of diseases and, and treating for them in advance to gain gain some yield? Yeah, so the first thing is, is when we're talking about that, when we're talking about diseases, Yes, whether it's grain or silage, we still have to have that green leaf tissue to be able to produce that grain, right? So to me, it really doesn't matter if it's grain or silage. Um, If you have the 
basically the disease triangle set up for you, you're going to see the benefit to a fungicide. You know, when you look at, at some of these diseases that pop up early, and I know we were just talking with Josh Miller, and he mentioned some of these things that can get started early in the crop. That makes me nervous. When I see disease out there too early in the year, I know that robs more yield. So what is the first step for growers? Where are you targeting applications, and, and how would you recommend you go about this? Well, so you also have to remember where it's located out in the canopy. You know, we always see gray leaf spot coming in pretty early, but at the same time, it's low on the plant. And we know that about 75% of our yield potential comes from that ear leaf up. So, you know, if it's on those bottom, way bottom leaves, they're not going to catch the sunlight anyway. And also they're not adding a whole lot to us because they're going to be sloughed off before we're really trying to, to push the yield. So, you know, our research continues to show that, that right at that tassel timing, that is going to be your optimum um, most years, unless we're getting some, you know, say tar spot. That's a that's a whole different <laughs> whole different booger when we start dealing with tar spot. But for the most part, you know, northern corn leaf black, gray leaf spot, they're going to come in right there around that tassel when we switch from that vegetative to reproductive stages. You know, one other thing that's really changed in recent years, uh, you just see growers using higher and higher populations, just getting a more dense cornfield out there. And uh, that doesn't allow for the air movement. And a lot of times we do see some more disease issues. Do your recommendations change for the guy that says, well, I'm going to get close to 40,000 population versus 30,000 population? Once again, I mean, yes, we have a better environment, but at the same time, we have to have the inoculum there. We have to have the environment there. I mean, it takes all of those no matter what your population is. Um, it seems like as our populations increase, yeah, the incidence starts to uh, increase too because we do have a, a really good environment there, higher humidity, higher moisture levels. All right. Now, a lot of times growers are trying to target doing multiple things at the same time. How far down do you like to see coverage in the canopy? You mentioned most of the yield is ear leaf and up. Are you trying to get halfway down through there with some of the tasseling time apps, or what have you seen gains from? Yeah, if we can get halfway, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, you sit there and talk about this corn, you know, 10, 12 foot tall. It's going to be really hard with three gallons per acre to push it all the way to the bottom anyway. And so really I'm focused, I mean, personally, I'm focused on that ear leaf up. Yeah, I think this is something, as I talk to growers about this, I, I don't think this part of the conversation gets brought up enough because a lot of growers say, well, I put a tassel and time fungicide out. And I said, great. How far down in the canopy did you get coverage? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully far <laughs> enough, I guess. And so I, I would just encourage growers, you know, product selection is super important. And, and look at what diseases you're trying to protect from, identifying that it's a fungal pathogen, not a uh, bacteria, that type of thing are, are really important. But then actually get out and take a look and see how far down in the canopy you're getting that coverage too. Great stuff, TJ. Thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. Good luck. You're heading towards spring. Talking about corn diseases on today's Ag PhD radio program. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's about time. Applied at planting, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient flutriophol moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfurrow Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about corn diseases on today's show, but of course we'll tackle any agronomic question at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Ryan Geis with us right now with Corteva to talk a little about corn diseases. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, good afternoon, Darren. All right, so looking at 2021 and a lot of growers making some plans here, the market looks awfully good for corn and a lot of times Mm -hmm. we hear from farmers "Ooh, there's some five dollar corn out there or at least four dollar new crop corn i'm probably going to do some extra things this year and fungicide is definitely one of those things that we've heard more talk about this year talk to us a little bit about that conversation we we really encourage growers look for a good return on investment and do smart agronomic things that hey you got a year like this year where you can experiment with some things and find a new practice that you might use every year well, I think so, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Darren. When when times are good, we tend to broaden our horizons on things that we look at, but don't forget the fundamentals, and, and you do a very good job on your show, you know, starting with the basics, you know, like the, the yield pyramid would show. Let's start with drainage. Let's start with good P and K, but 
as we start to work our way up that yield pyramid, yeah, you know, we get we get up there towards the top, but not the very last thing to think about. But foliar fungicides are certainly something that are consistent yield performers, um, and we can do things to make them even more consistent by choosing to use them on the right hybrids or in the right uh, rotation situations. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we can do. And now this year, there's certainly a good push on soybeans too. It's not like the soybean market stinks right now. There's a lot of growers that are saying, mm-hmm. man, I might make even more money on soybeans. So I think crop rotation for the most part in the state of Iowa, I, I'm not expecting it's going to change a whole lot, but there are quite a few corn on corn guys around, especially in some of these heavy livestock areas. I know that changes the game as soon as we get into that for, for disease pressure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if I'm going to be corn back on corn, I want to find corn that, that can withstand root problems, uh, very, you know, first and foremost. And if that means I've also got a solid disease package, that's even better yet. But if I don't, um, foliar fungicides are a way that we can manage diseases and still focus on something that's harder to manage, like rootworms. Uh, you know, if we can do the rootworms through um, other means, if our genetics have to use a foliar fungicide, then let's you know, let's let's use them. They're they're there. They can be used, and and we do provide good returns uh, most every time that that's been done. Now, there's a lot of things changing in this market, and growers that didn't have a lot of fungicide choices really just a few years ago, but now there are quite a few choices and more modes of action, and that gets everybody excited. That wow, there's there's some really cool products out there right now. Are you seeing great big differences between fungicides, or is it more of a difference of hey, you should at least try something? versus going untreated? Darren, I'm going to say all of the above. Let's look at what you're trying to accomplish. Now, if we, we've got some farmers that are using a foliar fungicide at the early stages, like a V4, V5, V6, V7. And, you know, many times that may not show a positive return, but, you know, let's at least use a strobularin, like our straight approach, if you're going to use something at that time, which isn't, you know, adding terribly to the cost, and also gets us those plant health benefits. But when we start getting into tassel time and beyond, that's where we really want to use at least a two mode of action product so that we've got um, different modes of action to help um, handle the, the shifting disease pressure and um, potential weed, or in, I'm sorry, disease resistance. So that's where we recommend they approach Primo when we get to the VTV R1, R2 stages. Yeah, certainly a lot of growers looking at what they can do at that time. I'd say that's probably the most popular timing that we've been getting a question about over the winter is, all right, talk to me about a tasseling time mm-hmm. fungicide. And, of course, all the other goodies that come with that, Ron. I want to throw a foliar feed on. I want to also throw some insecticide out there if I see some bugs and, and this and that. Are we messing mm-hmm. things up when we do that, when we mix a lot of things with that fungicide, or is it okay? There's most of the time you can mix things together. Always make sure you run a jar test because if we're also applying these with an airplane at, you know, two gallons of water, a little bit of incompatibility can lead to a lot of problems if they aren't forming a homogenous mix and coming out of the sprayer while you're flying through the field at 100 miles an hour. That would not be a good day. No, no, that's for sure. And and uh, aerial applicators not real happy when when things don't go well for them, when things don't mix well. Uh, talking to Ron Geis with Corteva here. Ron, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today, and and good luck here heading in towards the spring. Yes, thank you. You too, Darren. All right, we've got Tamara Jackson Zims with us right now with uh, University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Tamara, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you. 
All right, I got a number of questions for you, and I was thinking about one of the things that that Ron Geist just mentioned there was disease resistance. And I know being in Nebraska, little different environment than than some parts of the rest of the country here. But how about in Nebraska? Are you worried about disease resistance, and are you already starting to see some in some of the major corn diseases? You know, we have not observed anything in as far as diseases of corn. That's always something that we want to watch for. There, if it's of course a possibility, and as we use more fungicides, we should all be conscientious about that. We've so far only confirmed it in a soybean disease so far. All right. Then, then another thing that Ron had mentioned is just using multiple modes of action. There's a lot of this new SDHI family. I shouldn't say new, but new for some farmers that, that just haven't used it yet that have been using the strobes and the triazoles. Talk to us about these SDHIs and three mode of action products. Are they adding a lot in terms of disease control? Well, we've had good results with the multiple modes of action products, both the two and the three-way products. And so it's nice to have some additional choices out there. And so uh, this past year in particular, where we had some pretty serious outbreaks of southern rust, we had good results from our fungicides, especially those three-way products. Hey, Tamara, we've gotten a number of questions in, too, from growers raising milo or sorghum, uh, asking, hey, you guys are talking about corn again. Do you say the same types of things here for for milo and sorghum? Are you seeing the same types of results and importance of use for fungicide? You know, we don't have a lot of people um, looking to use fungicides on sorghum. Uh, We did do some testing a number of years ago, and, you know, especially irrigated conditions where we do have more diseases in sorghum, we did get some positive results under those conditions, although most people don't irrigate sorghum down here. But if you had disease, it it looks like it would do a good job. Okay. Uh, and then speaking of, of products here, there's one that I'm kind of curious about. It's a new one, Zyway, that FMC is promoting for use in furrow. Have you gotten a chance to play with that one yet? And if so, do you have any comment on it? We've um, we've played, as you say, a little bit with uh, with Zyway and with Lucento and Furrow, and I believe I just presented some data last week uh, on Lucento and Furrow. That's Lucento LFR, and so in in our own data, we did not have very much gray leaf spot, but we're hearing from some of my colleagues at other universities. Sometimes they see an effect on foliar disease like gray leaf spot or uh, northern corn leaf blight. But so far, uh, we haven't had too much opportunity to test that, but we'll continue to do so. Well, I certainly hope you guys get a little more rain this year so so you can see some <laughs> of those things. Okay, so talk about that. With dry weather, what diseases should growers be on the lookout for, and are there any management practices in terms of disease management that you're recommending? <clears throat> With dry weather, well... You know, the the thing about diseases and the pathogens that cause them, across the board, they need some level of moisture. Some of them don't need very much, though, and um, the more you have, of course, it seems more favorable for diseases, but in Nebraska, we kind of make our own moisture because of the irrigated acreage that we've got, and so although we experienced our driest August on record in 2020, we still had some pretty serious outbreaks of southern rust. Uh, not so much for gray leaf spot, but 
we uh, certainly want to keep watching for those. Even though it's dry all around us, in those irrigated pivots, we're creating a little bit different environment and need to watch that pretty closely and still keep in mind that it might take some management decisions and maybe a fungicide. You bet. Hey, great tips as always. Tamara Jackson Zims with Nebraska. Uh, Tamara, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Be safe, everybody. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Back here listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about corn diseases, but also taking your agronomic questions at 
44 Ag PhD. We've got Mark who's been holding on here for a while and from Wisconsin. Mark, thanks for hanging on there. Thanks, Brian. All right. uh, I've heard you guys talk about all these plant health benefits from micronutrients. Yep. Being a dairy farmer, well, crop too, but dairy farmer, it got me thinking about um, cat- cattle or animal health yes. benefits. Yep. Uh, I know our soil is deficient in some nutrients uh, that I've never heard of people applying, mm-hmm. such as uh, selenium yep. and iodine. And we actually have to supplement selenium pretty heavily or the cattle won't clean right after they have a calf. Sure. Have you ever heard of anyone applying selenium or to soil or any yes. other? Yep. Okay, so fantastic question. This is something, and interestingly enough, Mark, just a couple of weeks ago we met with a large dairy next to us about this exact same thing that what we really wanted to know, because we're going to be supplying a lot of feed to them, is what nutrients do you most need to supplement with in your rations and what can we do to help you with that? Because what we're trying to do is provide feed that has more value, so obviously we can get paid more. And at the same time, we want the dairy to benefit more because the only way they can pay us more is if the cattle all do better. So it's got to be a win-win. Otherwise, we're all just wasting our time. The selenium thing is a big deal. And it also, and I'll, I'm going to get off topic here for just a second, but it's something we've been talking no, about for a you, year now. you never get off topic, Brian. <laughs> so last year, it was March, and it was just when this whole COVID thing was starting. And so Neil Kinsey was doing a three-day seminar right here on our farm. We had, I don't know, probably 700 people there or something. And we just said, okay, Neil, talk to us for just a second. You know, you're this, you're like the leading soil uh, health and soil fertility expert in the whole world. Talk to us a little about COVID. Do you know anything about that? And he brought up the word selenium. <laughs> and he said, selenium is incredibly important if you want good tolerance to COVID. He said, I don't know a lot about this disease yet or anything, but he said, that's the one thing I do know. And so I I, I started telling people, we started talking about it here on the show too, like if you're taking a multivitamin, look for selenium, make sure it's in there. So I can absolutely see how it's important in livestock health as well. In the state of South Dakota, we have some of the biggest selenium deposits in the entire United States. Uh, it's also real big, like over in Ohio and Pennsylvania, but... Uh, yeah, very few people in the United States fertilize with it because a lot of where crops are grown is where there is a tremendous amount of selenium. Now, there are some areas in Wisconsin where there is not much for selenium. So I can see how it could possibly be an issue for you. But yeah, there, there are places in the world certainly that fertilize a lot with selenium. So when I saw you called and, and you wanted to talk about selenium, I just looked it up quick in other areas around the world. And interestingly enough, they say that in Finland, there's one fertilizer company, in fact, the largest fertilizer company in Europe, all the fertilizer they sell in Finland is all supplemented with selenium. 
So wow, yeah, exactly. They I haven't looked it up, but in in Finland they must have low levels of selenium in the soil. So like I say, like here in South Dakota where we do raise a lot of livestock, there's a lot of selenium in the soil, and I know like out uh, in in the central part of the state, people have uh, really wanted the wheat that was produced in central South Dakota because it had high levels of selenium in it. When you look at the deposit levels, that's some of the highest areas in the world are right in central South Dakota with selenium. So anyway, I know I'm making a long story out of this, but yes, you certainly could look at what nutrients you're short on in your ration, fertilize with that on your farm. Hopefully then that ends up helping your crop. It should, but you know, we never know until you try it. And then Right. Absolutely, it should translate to, hey, I've got more of that particular nutrient going into my cattle. Okay. All right. Is there a certain name I should be talking to my fertilizer dealers about? Or uh, So I would just say you're. <laughs> I doubt that there are a lot of people that are buying or selling uh, uh, fertilizer with selenium throughout much of the Midwestern United States. So you might have to ask a few fertilizer dealers, but I would tell them, look, I would like something with selenium to try out on my farm, find it for me. And they should be able to. There are definitely some fertilizer sources for selenium. Okay. Well, I've kind of struck out for the most part talking to them. So that's why I all right, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, We'll ha- why don't you uh, just hang on for us, and I'll have Janelle, uh, our sister, she's our call screener today. Uh, she'll talk to you, get your information, and we'll see if we can hook you up with somebody who can get you uh, <laughs> lined up with some fertilizer for selenium. Okay, thank you, Brian. You bet. Thanks, Mark. All right, uh, next we're going to go out to, looks like Hawaii. We've got Barbara calling in. Barbara, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for hanging on there with us. Oh, sure. No problem. I love to hear more and learn more about how I do my farm right. You bet. Awesome. What can we do for you today? So I don't listen to you a lot. I hope to listen to you some more because I'm not sure where to find you in Hawaii. But um, (laughs) I was listening today about the the show was all about... um, fertilizer and chemicals and stuff and I'm just have you guys ever had a show where you talked about Korean natural farming because I really think in this world we need to get back to the basics and deal with the soil health and the microbiomes and all that kind of stuff and not try to create more stuff to pollute the earth what do you think well uh, first of all I would say absolutely we talk about that almost every day here that the desire is not to use a whole bunch of pesticides. The desire is to balance our soil fertility, to have good drainage uh, where irrigation is possible, to provide good water, not necessarily super salty water, contaminated water, but good water to our plants. Uh, Do what we can to build up organic matter in the soil and generally produce a healthier plant. And so even to open the show today, that's that was one of the things I said that, look, we'll talk about fungicides today, but let's never forget, if we do all these other steps, hopefully we've got a much more tolerant plant and it's going to have fewer issues with that. Now, when we talk about pesticides and polluting the earth, um, yes, there are some pesticides certainly that are harmful to people, harmful to animals, harmful to, let's call it the earth in general. 
But a lot of the things that are labeled now, at least in the United States, uh, are actually pretty safe for our environment, for human beings, and so that makes me feel pretty good. A lot of things have been derived from natural sources. So even the strobilurin fungicides that got talked about a little bit today, they're derived from a wood-rotting fungus. Uh, we often talk about insecticides, and the most popular insecticide family in the world is the pyrethroids. They just come from the chrysanthemum flower, so it's like sprinkling a flower all over your field. Uh, you know, and I could go on and on about a bunch of products that have been derived from natural things. That's the direction that a lot of things are going. So if you go back to when I was a kid growing up on the farm, a lot of those pesticides, they've been banned now. They were much more harmful, much more dangerous. And so there is certainly a trend going safer all the time. I would say, too, uh, there is a much bigger push for what we call naturals or biologicals to hopefully become biopesticides. So, I, I mean, yes, there's absolutely much more of that. We talk about it quite often on the show, and we're going to continue talking about it because we think that's the direction things are going. So we agree with you. Okay, well, I, it'd be nice to have somebody talk, you know, get some of these old Japanese people that wrote the books about Korean natural farming, or not, I shouldn't say I'm mixing Japanese with Korean, but um, it's true, they, they do the same thing, and it'd be nice to hear about that, because there's a lot of things that you can just um, do in your own forest to create your own products that you don't even have to buy from these fertilizer companies, and you can increase the immunity of your soil, and therefore your plants are going to be more healthy. Sure, sounds interesting, we'll check that out. Thanks a lot for calling in, Barbara, appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Stay tuned, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with high striker treated nitrogen. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, 
feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, being able to reduce our fertilizer side. So it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting today from the Morton studio. We've been talking about corn diseases and taking your calls and questions throughout the show. Before we wrap up, we were we talked about a number of different fungicides today, but I wanted to give you some kind of idea price-wise as well what some of these things would cost if you chose to use a fungicide. Uh, FMC's been talking a lot about Zyway. That's in the $12 to $14 kind of range. And that is a product you could use at planting in furrow to get, they're calling it season-long control. I don't know if I'd say control all the way until late in the season, but it's going to be pretty darn good. And you might be able to skip the later fungicide application. So that looks like a good option. Uh, FMC also has Lucento. That's in the $10 to $13 range. Veltimas, uh, that's the most expensive one, but BSF is is really proud of that one, and, and certainly we have seen some good results from that. And I know they've got plenty of information out there, so you can search online for their RevX fields, and you can look at data from all over, at least the United States. I don't know if they have data from Canada as well. But anyway, Veltima, at least here in the United States, is uh, just over the $20 mark. BSF did lower their headline amp pricing now, so you're probably talking 15 bucks or so. And then there are a number of other products that are getting used as well that have some rebates, like Bears products. It's really hard to say what the price is because it all depends on how deep you are in that Bear rebate program. With some of them, it could make it really inexpensive. You look at Delaro Complete, Delaro Stratego Yield, I mean, you might be paying 10 bucks or less depending on how much rebate you're getting back. Uh, Syngenta's got a couple products that uh, that do well in terms of corn fungicides. Trivapro and Miravis Neo. Uh, UPL has Fortix. That's a really good value this year. That's well under 10 bucks, and that's fantastic two-mode of action product. Uh, so lots of good choices in terms of corn fungicides. The problem with spraying fungicide in general is this, in my book. You never know when disease is going to show up, and if a disease show up, shows up and you say, oh, I'm going to scout for the disease. Once I see the disease, I'm going to go spray. Well, now you've already lost some yield. If you're not out there ahead of time or right as things are starting, it's not going to work very well because fungicides are much, much, much better at preventing disease than they are at curing disease afterward. You're not going to come back from that yield loss. So I I would say if you want to use a fungicide, be on the early side. You're much better off that way. 
Uh, right before our break, we had a caller talking about just overall plant health, soil health, and we agree with that 100%, like we said. that That's awesome. But the problem is, unfortunately, just like for human beings, you can be the healthiest person in the world and you can still get COVID or any disease out there. And they're just sometimes flat out, you got to take some medicine. I look at fungicides the same way. It's kind of like your plant taking medicine. It's a preventative. It's the vaccine, I'll call it, for your plant. I realize it's not a vaccine, but I think of it like a vaccine for your plant. It's there to protect that plant from the diseases that might set in. So if you've got a history of disease, if you've got the disease primary disease factors, then you might want to be looking at this. One of the biggest factors that I don't think gets mentioned enough People talk about, and in fact, well, anyway, I'll just say this. People talk all the time about, well, you got to have rain. You know, if you're, if you're wet, then you're going to have disease. I agree with that. But humidity is just as important. Okay. When I look at humidity, the last two years, even on our farm, in eastern South Dakota, which you normally think is is real dry. In fact, whenever we have, whenever I go down south and I'll talk to farmers, they say, "Oh, you're probably not used to this humidity down here." And I go, "What are you talking about? We're more humid than you." And they say, "What do you mean? We're way more humid." No, no, you're not. I'll just give you an example. Miami, Florida. I think about Miami, Florida as one of the most humid places. I think of it kind of tropical. You know what their average humidity in July is every year? Seventy-five percent. You know what our average humidity was in 2020 when we had no rain after July 5th? You know what our average humidity was in July of 2020? 80%. In August, where it's one of the driest summers, late summers we've ever had, we still had 78% average humidity in August. And the year before, we had 81% humidity in July, and in August we had 80%. So my point is simply this. Don't just look at, well, I haven't had rain in the last two weeks, so I'm not going to have disease. Not necessarily. Look at your humidity also. So look at rainfall, look at humidity, look at the other factors. For example, tillage. If you're doing less tillage, well, now you're more likely to have disease. Uh, are you planting continuous corn? What are you doing there in terms of factors? And then how tolerant are each one of your corn hybrids? So just all things for you to consider. And uh, hopefully we don't have major disease issues this summer. Hopefully it's not a big deal. But unfortunately, we it, it just feels to me like we continue to have problems in almost every crop. And I think it's getting worse because we've got so much humidity. And then as a general statement, a lot of people are trying to reduce tillage and we're raising more yield, so we have more overall crop canopy. And that's trapping a lot of moisture, leading to more disease problems. All right, let's jump back to the Ag PhD mailbag. This one comes from Steve. He said, your recent program suggested milestone for roadside and pasture weed control. But it's a little pricey. I'm wondering, is there another product <laughs> yep. in the same classification that can do sure. the job for less? Yeah, so Duracore, for example, is milestone plus a, I'm going to call it 2,4-D replacement. So that would be something that I would certainly consider. All right. 
Thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one from DK who said, I'm wondering, could you tell me something about cytokinin and how it's best used and so forth? All right. First of all, cytokinin, plant growth regulator, plant growth hormone. It promotes flowering and seed retention, increased pollination, pollen viability, those types of things. My caution that I would give you, and, and I do talk to farmers uh, probably every month, I would say. I wouldn't say every week, but every month I talk to farmers that are out online trying to source some PGR as cheap as they could find it. And there are a lot of issues with those. I've talked to very few who have had success with that. What we found is that straight cytokinin can force, like in a soybean crop, for example, force it to put more pods on, which sounds great, but it holds those pods and it tries to fill them. So you can actually hurt yield when you get into a stress year. So, for example, just talked to a farmer, I think about a month ago, who had put some straight cytokinin on that he bought online, put it on at a relatively high rate, and he said, man, I had a lot of pods in my beans, and then my beans hardly yielded anything. They just made pods that they never filled. So do be cautious about that. This is something that you can use, though. There are some products out there like Inertia, for example, and Promote that have got cytokine in them, but they've got other things to kind of regulate that. And I would recommend working with a reputable company rather than just buying something online. Thanks for the question. Uh, get this one. From Doug, who said, could you explain what the difference is between sap testing and other tissue testing? Now, we've done a lot of tissue tests on our farm, but really haven't done much with the sap testing. So the tissue tests, they measure what the plant's taken up so far, and that's great. You do have to make sure you wash the leaves off with distilled water to make sure if you'd sprayed a foliar feed, for example, that you don't have a whole bunch of that hanging on the outside of the leaf, and that ends up in the, the tissue sample. And those tissue samples, samples are often dried in the lab. Sap samples aren't dried and they are designed to measure the xylem sap in the plant leaves. And a lot of times they'll have you compare a new leaf and an old leaf because they, they, they feel that it may be a better measure of deficiencies that are out there right now. I've talked to some farmers who are doing this. They've said, you know, we seem to get better data out of the sap testing. Now, the expense and where you have to send them and so forth, may, you may not have as many options as what you've got with plant tissue tests. But the good thing about those sap samples is they're often done within hours. So this is something going forward we'll probably be looking at on our farm as well. We've been mainly doing tissue sampling as an indicator. But I'll say this. A lot a lot of times those samples that we're pulling in season in dryland farming, our best solution is, hey, let's find out where we're short and then we can address it with our soil fertility program later. Now, if you're in an irrigated situation or especially if you've got fertigation, you may try to go after some of those things at the time. But in some cases, you may green the plant up and not see a yield response. So you got to be pretty timely with those things and catch them on the early side if you still want those to pay off. But yeah, there's a lot of different types of tests that we can do out there right now, which is great because measuring things on the farm allow us to better manage those issues. I, I wouldn't say that either of these sap testing or tissue testing is going to replace the soil test. We still want to see what's in that soil and get a good indication of what we can do to treat the soil right and hopefully not have so many deficiencies in crop. Hey, thanks for the question, Doug. We really appreciate that. And yeah, if you're really curious about more with soil fertility and also with some of these different analyses, you may be interested in what Neil Kinsey's doing. We've got a workshop with him coming up later in the month here in February. You can check out all the details at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's program. 
Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.